Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on the show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. Michelle Moray is a native of the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, Washington, and is very passionate about travelling to remote destinations around the world, capturing adventures and experiences while creating content through photography and video. Even if it's a popular destination that's been frequented by others, she tends to inspire content with divergent interpretations in her own artistic eyes. With an eye for a unique representation of the outdoors, Mish enjoys capturing and documenting every excursion in order to tell her distinct story behind it. After four years together, Mish and partner Hollis have established the remote unknown into a brand composed of commercial photography, videography, travel, apparel, and soon to be an artist collective. We talk about how her passion for the remote places on our planet inspire her photography, the importance of geology in shaping the landscape she shoots, and how she balances her commercial work with her passion for a personal portfolio, along with lots more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Mish. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? I'm doing well. How are you? Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. I've definitely been a, a fan of your work for some time and uh, really been interested to explore your journey into landscape photography. Why don't you start with telling people who you are and uh, a little bit about what you do and why you do what you do? All right. My name is Mish, a.k.a. Michelle Moray. I am a landscape photographer that is a full-time commercial photographer. I do majority of outdoor adventure lifestyle photography, and I've been doing that for the last five years now, full-time. Mm, wow. So what got you started? What's your earliest starting point in photography? I grew up in a household of creativity. My dad was a musician. My stepdad was a sculptor. My mom was an aerospace engineer. So it really fostered a creative background. I was also lucky enough to travel a lot and enjoy the outdoors as a kid. I lived in a windmill in France when I was like eight years old. And I remember seeing old black and white photographs that my mom and stepdad had taken of me. And I'd always have this little point and shoot camera in my hand wherever I was. But funny enough, as I grew up and grew older, I definitely had that creative spark and I wanted to do something creative with my life. So I went to school for apparel design, textiles and merchandising. I had a huge passion for the fashion industry and I worked in fashion for 15 years from buying to social media, creative and store management. But that whole time, I wasn't really able to be as creative as I thought. I always thought it was going to be a little bit more of a creative career. And I got stuck in that corporate ladder and the corporate structure. And I felt like I was always missing something creative. I got obsessed with traveling around the U.S., going to Iceland, hiking and taking road trips on my days off and on my vacations. Mm -hmm. So I started taking photos on my iPhone everywhere that I went and capturing these places that I would go to because it was this little spark of creative side that I didn't really get to experience in the job that I was felt like I was depressed and I was down and it was the thing that was bringing me joy is being able to travel and capture the places that I went um and I I just I became fascinated with kind of those otherworldly places that didn't look real that kind of looked like Mars I love sci-fi I'm a big sci-fi nerd so going to places that kind of didn't really look real is what 
fueled me and what I enjoyed capturing. So as I started traveling and taking photos on my iPhone and posting them on Instagram, they started to gain a lot of traction. I was getting big features on Instagram. My family and my friends were like, these photos you're taking on your iPhone are beautiful. So my mom actually bought me my first DSLR for my birthday. So I just took that, put it on manual mode and started doing it all myself, watching tutorials and just taking that with me and learning all by myself on how to shoot photos. And then I started getting paid gigs. I slowly saved up and made enough money to quit my full-time job that I was just miserable at the time at because Mm -hmm. I was being late to work and not showing up to work because I was traveling and photography just took over my life. And that was what was fueling me. So I started a business with my boyfriend. We both quit our jobs and hit the road full-time. We turned our Toyota 4Runner into a home and we were we traveled for two years and just lived out of the 4Runner and started our business together, our photography business. Living the dream. Um, living the dream. But it was definitely a scary moment to step away from that full-time job and that security mm. and do something where I didn't know where my money was coming from. I had, I'd saved up a little bit as like a nest cool. egg, but... Still, it was a scary thing to do. I don't know if we're going to get work or what's going on. We started off just taking any paid gig that we could get. We built our portfolio while traveling. And then we took a trip to Iceland. And I just, I fell in love with Iceland so much. And I realized how well storytelling was an authentic way to get work and do something creative for brands. Because brands saw themselves in that story of us traveling and fit organically within that. And then I felt like we were just on this super awesome trajectory and getting great gigs. And we landed two of the biggest gigs that we'd ever had and COVID hit. So that was a big bump in the road. And we really had nowhere to go because we were living out of our truck on the road and traveling. So we moved back to the Pacific Northwest and eventually got back on our feet about a year later. And we recently just moved to Nevada. We had fallen in love with the Southwest. The Southwest has always been one of my favorite places to travel to. So being in a kind of a more central location to all those favorite places to photograph really made sense. So I've been living here for the last six months and just doing the same thing, living the dream, doing client work. That's about it. Fantastic. I'm really interested in how you get yourself motivated creatively. What is it that in the landscape, for example, that gets the juices flowing and makes you go, wow, that's the shot? I think it's, our company's called The Remote Unknown, and I think it's finding the places that are really hard to get to, that take a lot of planning, a lot of execution, and they're oftentimes dangerous to get to just because they are so remote or so out of the way and not frequently photographed. So I think that's the one thing I really enjoy, the oddities, the obscurities of the earth and kind of telling that story of how it came there. I don't know too much about geology, but geology is something that I've been learning recently that really fascinates me. And whenever I get to a scene, it's in my head thinking, what was it, the wind or the air or the the volcanic activity that created what I'm photographing? So I think definitely those more obscure things that are like nature's Picasso. Yep. Yep. In terms of, you mentioned the the planning for some of these trips, what's involved in that? How long do you take in the planning before you actually get in the the van and go? I would say I'm definitely not an extensive planner. It's just, okay, here's the little bit of a plan. Like recently, we just took a trip to Colorado through Utah and Arizona. And Mm -hmm. there's definitely a map 
or places that we want to go to. But a lot of times it just depends on weather and chasing light, whether it's a moody scene that I want to capture. If the weather is right in a certain direction, it's definitely looking a lot at weather and planning based on weather. And then using things like Google Earth or Zoom.Earth, I use a lot too, to just Mm -hmm. look at what the area looks like and what the landscape looks like. And is it something that I want to capture? But I definitely more of a just run and gun. If something looks cool, let's chase it. If the weather's good on this side of the state, let's chase it kind of person. But a little bit of planning for sure, just so I'm not out there not really knowing what I'm doing. (laughs) So you're not a total pre-visualizer that sits down and uh, says, all right, the sun's going to be at this angle. We're going to have it hit that peak and we're going to be there right at that moment. Yeah, I think I'm definitely just more of a on the whim person. If something looks good in the moment, that's when I'll capture it. I, I definitely like to go to a place and explore it and walk around and not just stand in one location. I'm always getting the small details or getting a bigger scene. So I think that I definitely like to wander around a lot. Yeah, yeah. And what's your approach to photography as it relates to experience versus trying to create art? Because some photography is getting out there and just showing okay this is the scene I've seen or this is a a particular intimate detail of some rocks or streams or whatever versus okay I want to create something that's artistic and unusual and unique. I think personally both really great ways to portray a scene. I, I definitely think that I have a little bit of both. I'm not just artistic and I'm not just that more lifestyle uh, sense of it. A lot of times I feel like people look at my photographs and not know exactly what they're looking at and things are a little bit obscure. So I feel like that's the artistic side of it. And also I feel like that comes up in post-production a lot too. I, I definitely feel like I have a different way of visualizing things. I like to show the scene the way that I saw it whether it's using certain colors or using more brilliant color than was actually in the scene. So I think that for me, the color grading and the post-processing definitely helps tell the artistic story in a sense. Mm -hmm. I've noticed quite a bit of your work is that intimate abstraction. As you said, you might see some rocks or something that's taken your fancy Where did that sort of start to come from? Was that something that you clicked into early on or was that something that came a little bit later after a lot of people start out with that grand vista sort of landscape photography when they first start out trying to capture everything Um, in the scene? I think, I don't know, I think as a kid, I was always into dinosaurs and I've always into digging and dirt and my parents would always take me to those little dinosaur digs where you could dig up the bones and stuff like that. I was always very interested in rocks and collecting rocks as a kid, just gathering rocks that I thought looked cool. So I think I've always had this kind of geology sense in me, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I can't really pick a point of where it exactly started when that happened. But I think, yeah, like you said, just the obscurities of it really attracted my eye and being able to tell the story of not just in a grand scale, but the smaller details as well. Because really, you can see in a grand scale, some obscure, abstract pieces of nature, but then you can also see it on a very small macro scale as well. Absolutely. You mentioned the storytelling and uh, I'm, I'm interested in what sort of things you are trying to express through your photography in that storytelling? 
I think, especially when it relates to client work, I like to do things authentically. I like to work with brands or with products that kind of fit into my lifestyle organically. So I'm telling a true story. And I think just me, it's the journey and the adventure that it took to get there. What did I go through to not only plan where I was going, look at the weather, get in the truck and navigate four by four on maybe a really crazy dirt road or a super thick sandy road that took really planning to get out to and a lot of work to get to in in the long run and to plan it at the right time to where the weather is correct. I think it's telling that story of what it took to get there and the the risk and the reward in a sense. And I yeah. think all the things along the way too, like just being out in nature and enjoying camping and enjoying cooking out in nature. And I know we take our dogs pretty much everywhere. So having our dogs out with us roaming around in nature yeah. and things like that. And not, I think it was me being in four corners of a building, not being able to see outdoors. And that just wasn't for me and being out side was really what sparked and made me thrive. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the COVID experience for you. Uh, obviously, it impacted quite a lot of people in terms of their ability to run a business and, and so forth. What was the impact on yourself and your boyfriend? Like I said, we had just gotten two really big gigs and we were so excited. We're like, wow, this is a great gig that we're getting. And all of a sudden it was canceled just because of the pandemic. And we were actually in Florida at the time visiting family and we didn't know what to do. We were just stuck in Florida for a while. We didn't really know if we could fly out. And at the time we didn't have a home. We were living out of our truck. So it was definitely a lot of pandemonium of just figuring things out as we went. And then where was our income going to come from and things like that. So we finally were able to get back to the Pacific Northwest. And we, because a lot of the campsites were closed, a lot of the facilities were closed. So a lot of the showers that we would use on the road or the campsites that we used to camp at were closed down. So we really couldn't travel. So we rented an Airbnb, I think for a couple months on in Oregon and just continued to create the whole time. Since we didn't really know what was going to happen, we were just out shooting photos every single day, whether it was on the Oregon coast or in the national forest nearby and doing what we could to just stay creative. I'm interested in the balance between the commercial work. Obviously, a client has demands or desires for the imagery that they're looking for. How do you balance that against your own creative drive to create something that's different and unique for yourself. Do you have any issues there trying to make that balance for you? Or is is it, okay, this is what the client wants, this is what the client gets? I definitely have issues with that a lot. A lot of times I'll have so much client work within a month that I'll feel a little bit stuck being able mm-hmm. to have time for myself. And I'm spending so much time editing for a client that I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to sit and spend time editing for myself right now because I just, I'm not in the mood over it. So I've learned to make that time for myself and make that time for my own personal creative projects. And a lot of times if we're on the road or if I'm traveling, I'll have a specific client that I'm shooting photos for. And maybe part of the day I'm shooting photos for the client. And then the other part of the day, I make a little bit of time for my own personal work. But I think it's really nice being able to do photography that, like I said, fits organically with my lifestyle because I'm out there in the places already that I enjoy. 
So it's like you said, giving the client what they want. And a lot of times it has to do with being in the outdoors and showing them just beautiful nature is really amazing. Yeah, cool. What about the balance between your desire to capture something that's unique and amazing and the need to respect and minimize your impact on the natural environment? Yeah, definitely. That's a huge thing. I think that social media has impacted that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely seen it even in the last five years, just from doing this for the last five years and seeing how a place can get disrespected and it can get overrun with people. So a, a lot of these smaller places and a lot of people don't necessarily understand, especially it's a whole other conversation with geotagging. But I think that a lot of people kind of get angry when you don't want to share a special place that you've been to and you've worked so hard to get to because they don't have the facilities or they don't have the infrastructure to accommodate large crowds visiting these certain places. So I think some of these places do still need to be not necessarily hidden, but I think that's why I like to go to places that are a little bit harder to work for, to get to, whether it's the hike or whether it's the drive or the navigation, because it really, you have to have a lot of skills to be able to get there and to be able to survive out there if something were to happen. And a lot of people don't understand that, that are maybe new into going into the outdoors. There's a national park that has the infrastructure to accommodate a lot of people and to accommodate the cleanup and things like that if something were to happen. And then there are these unique places that, for example, I just went to the Wave in Arizona, which is on a permit system, which I think is great because that kind of keeps the environment in a pristine condition so that you're not having a lot of people there, but you're still controlling it enough so that people get to enjoy it. Yeah, sure, sure. What does success look like for you in your photography? I think success is just seeing my evolution as an artist and as a photographer throughout the years and just getting better throughout the time of if my edits get better or I get quicker at doing edits or I get a bigger brand gig or I I oftentimes look back at some of the things I was doing two or three years ago and just realizing how much I have grown and how my skill set has grown. I think it's just taking it day by day. And if I'm learning something new or pushing myself to a point where a lot of times I I try to do things that scare me and try to do things that don't feel like I'm as good at so that I can evolve as a photographer and as a creative. Okay. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What, what sort of things are you talking about? I think just maybe photographing things that necessarily aren't landscape, for example. Yep shooting models or shooting more lifestyle things or even shooting urban architecture or architecture in general, just things that are outside my comfort zone that I don't feel as comfortable with or even shooting the Milky Way, like shooting night photography. I don't feel as comfortable with, for example. So just trying to dip my toes into different areas to be better rounded as a photographer, I think. Also video is one of those things. I've been trying to learn video a little bit more and, um, start to try and storytell with video and not just Mm -hmm. photography. So I think just putting more things in my toolbox that I can use and grow as a creative. Yeah. Yeah. Making the decision to go full time and get out of the workaday routine that everyone or most people are uh, used to. How difficult was that decision to make? You mentioned it was a little bit scary, obviously taking that step. But what sort of led up to, what were you thinking leading up to making that decision? 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was definitely scary. And I think it was my boyfriend as well telling me that you can do this. You have the skills. We can do this together. We'll take it day by day and we'll just make it happen. And it's something that I'd always wanted to do, but I never really had that person to push me off and say, you can do this. I think that definitely helped. And it was a time where I saved up some money. So I felt like I had a nest egg just in case something happened. So that definitely made me feel better as well. And I was starting to get a lot of paid gigs before that. So a lot of my days off or my weekends, I would take to do photography gigs and I was getting paid for those gigs on the side. So it became a point where I was like, okay, I'm getting enough clients. I'm comfortable doing this, but it was definitely still scary. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that people struggle with is managing all of the various hats that you got to wear. You've got to be your own marketing team you've got to be your own branding team you've got to do your own finance and all those sorts of things how do you balance all of those elements the the admin behind the creative that goes into actually running it as a business oh my gosh yeah it's definitely a lot of work and i feel like a lot of people say you're in your dream job but you don't feel like you're really working but you are working all the time and that's me i'm definitely working all the time I'm answering emails at 11 o'clock at night or at six in the morning or waking up for sunrise and then coming home to do admin work. So I think I am not a very organized person, but it's forced me to become organized. So making lists and just prioritizing what's important, I think has helped a lot. And I think my background in the fashion industry and my education as well, going to school for apparel design and merchandising. I also minored in entrepreneurship. So that definitely helped me a little bit for sure. And all the different hats that I got to wear in the fashion industry too. I was running some pretty big apparel stores. I worked for Zara for about seven years doing store management. So it was definitely a lot of the business side of it came from there. I also worked for Nike doing social media. So I think That definitely helped me as well. I I wore a lot of hats in my previous position. So I think that kind of molded me for this. But it's still a lot of work and it can be very overwhelming. (laughs) What do you think, if you were talking to somebody that was thinking about doing this, what's the most important thing that they would need to think about doing before they take that step? I definitely feel like being comfortable in your own skin to to feel like you have the skills to offer a company or a client. A lot of times people that are thinking of getting into it, I tell them, just go to the store. What is it that you want to shoot? Or do you want to do outdoor stuff? Go buy a hammock and go take some photos of it just so that you can make yourself a portfolio and put that together so that you can show your clients what you want to do. And I think having your own niche and having your own style is good too, because a lot of times most of the people that get get into wanting to do client work They could get a bunch of resumes that all look the same, but if there's something that stands out that they really want, I think having your own niche is great as well, because then if there's something that you really like creatively and you can display that to a client that wants that look, you don't necessarily have to go in saying, oh, I don't really want to shoot this type of style. You can actually find clients that enjoy your style and what you do, and then you can feel more creative and more motivated to do that work for the client as well. Yeah, cool, cool. One of the things everyone struggles when they're starting or starting to sell their work or sell them their, their services is pricing. Do you have any insight into not 
you know, all of the details around how you do it, but do you have a, a system or is it, do you look at the market and work it out that way? And look at this, regardless of whether it's your, your personal work that you're trying to sell or your, your client work. Yeah, definitely. I've looked at the prices and what other people charge and here and there and try to take into consideration where I am in my career and things like that, because definitely my pricing today is a lot different than it was when I first started. Mm. So I guess that's a piece of it too, is where are you in your career of doing it? If you're just starting out, it's okay to not get paid a whole lot, but definitely to get paid something and feel like you're being compensated for the time that you're taking to do it. But a lot of times there's clients that say that I'm inexpensive or there's clients that say that I'm too expensive. So it's, I think it just depends. And a lot of times when I'm speaking with clients, sometimes it might be a little bit too much for them. And I'll ask, what's your budget? Give me your budget. And then I'll tell you what I can provide you for that amount. And I think it's a lot of negotiation. And sometimes if you feel like, if you feel like you're being compensated enough and you feel like you get to a good number. I think it's okay. It's definitely okay to negotiate. So both parties feel like they're getting what they want. So yeah, it all depends. And I think I always leave it up in the air too, of like these prices aren't for sure. My prices definitely negotiation is on the table. So being willing to push and pull, I think is a good way to do it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I think that's great insight. What's your favorite place to shoot? My favorite place to shoot is definitely Iceland. Iceland is just an otherworldly place. There's volcanoes, there's glaciers, there's ocean, there's so many different textures. And it's relatively new if you think about it in the grand scheme of things of Earth. So I Mm. feel like that is definitely my favorite. And I love the Southwest, Um, Southern Utah, Northern Arizona, as far as the U.S. is concerned. Yeah. You've obviously just made a decision to live in that area because of the landscapes that are there and the the opportunities that gives you. Do you think that decision is driven by your style and how you shoot or is it driven by what you want to shoot? I think it's a little bit of both. I lived in the Pacific Northwest for most of my life and it's a beautiful place and I loved it so Mm -hmm. much, but especially for client work, it rains a lot and the skies are gray eight, nine months out of the year. And it's actually really hard to do client work when the weather isn't good, especially since I've been doing a lot of video lately. It's really hard to do video, especially if a moody vibe isn't the thing that you're going for. So I think that was definitely a factor too, of having to push back gigs because the weather is bad for the next 10 days or not being able to make deadlines on a client gig because of the weather. So that was definitely a good, one of the things too, is it's sunny 90% of the month here. So that's definitely a lot easier, but I think this is just the landscape that I enjoy and appreciate the most as well. Mm -hmm. Is there a place that you'd like to retire to that you've been to? Probably Iceland. Yeah. Yeah. If I could retire in Iceland, I definitely would. Fair enough. What about what's still on the bucket list? Is there anywhere where you haven't been that you're just itching to get to? I would love to go to Greenland. I would love to go to Svalbard. I think South America, Namibia, Argentina. I think the desert in Argentina looks fascinating. It looks really cool. Um, A lot of my friends that have been there, I've seen their photos and it looks so unique. And I think Australia and New Zealand as well. Okay. So you've not been over here yet? I haven't, no. Mm -mm. Excellent. 
All right. Hit me up when you come and we'll we'll go and have a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. What's the most memorable experience you've had out shooting? The most memorable experience. I'm going to say two different ones. They're both in Iceland. I think one was just recently, a couple months ago, walking up to the volcano that was erupting. Just being able to capture and see an active volcano that close. Absolutely amazing. You can't replicate that feeling with anything else. It was absolutely incredible. That and I think flying over the Icelandic Highlands two or three years ago in a Cessna was pretty amazing. Yeah, awesome. What about uh, horror stories? Have you had any things that have made you stop and go, oops, shouldn't have done that? Definitely. The biggest horror story that I've had is we were in the Badlands of Utah Mm -hmm. on a back road, really deep on a back road. And there were uh, several river crossings. And we have a a forerunner that's lifted and able to go through a lot of pretty crazy terrain. And the rivers didn't look very deep. They looked pretty shallow. And we had been crossing them every single day. And so we got to one river crossing that looked just like the rest. It looked fine, but the truck just sunk right into it. It was like quicksand. And it was this really sticky like almost peanut butter mud and it just stuck to the bottom of the truck and the truck was just suctioned in the mud and we got out and we tried to pull the mud out we tried to get out and there was just no way and it was on a Tuesday this place is pretty popular on the weekends but it was like a random Tuesday in the middle of the summer and pretty hot so nobody was out there we were the only ones out there so we tried to dig out we couldn't get out and there was water going up to the doors in the middle of the river because the truck was just sinking. At that point, too, we didn't have service, so we couldn't call anyone. Luckily, we had brought a tent with us and plenty of water and plenty of food. So we just put our backpacks on and started hiking to the town, which was about 12 miles away. Oh, gee. So we had hiked out, I think, about five miles before we got service and we were able to call 911. And when we called 911, the gal was like, are you guys okay? Are you hurt? And we were like, no, but we may run out of water soon. It was a pretty hot day. And she's like, you'll just have to wait till the river dries up and we'll see if we can get someone out there. There was no, (laughs) we're going to come help you or anything like that. So we were just stuck to our own devices. So we set up a tent for the night because we were going to walk the rest of the five miles in the morning. And in the middle of the night, as we were sleeping, a car drove by us and it was a police officer and he had heard our call on the 911. He goes, I don't know why no one was coming to pick you guys up. As soon as he had gotten off his shift, he came to pick us up, took us to a hotel. And the hotel that we stayed in that night, the husband of the wife that owned the hotel had a towing company that took two big trucks and a wench out in the morning and pulled our truck out. Wow, that's amazing. But it was definitely a traumatizing experience because we didn't know if we were going to get help. We had no idea what was going on. And we were getting eaten by horseflies the whole time, like just eaten alive. And it was a pretty hot day too, but we survived. Fantastic. What's the practice of photography taught you about nature? I think definitely being able to appreciate the, the different things and the oddities of nature. And I think I definitely think seeing how much it's changed by human impact too is a big one for me, especially with tourism and with social media and seeing that is, is definitely something a little bit sad, but at the same time, I feel like I, I go out into nature because I want to have that solitude and that peace and quiet and not be around the hustle and bustle of the city. 
I'm an introvert as well. So I don't like being around a lot of people. But I think there's still those places where you can go out in nature and be in the middle of nowhere, not around anyone and find that solitude and that peace. So I think that's what it's taught me. Nice. Are you straight into the studio when you get back from a trip or are you one that lets you work gestate for a little while before you marinate, before you uh, get into editing? A little bit of both, I think. A lot of times... I'll right away get on the laptop if I'm traveling, if it's a shot that I'm really excited to get into post-production and start editing. But a lot of times I feel like I'll just take days where I'm at home and I have time and I'll go through old hard drives and I'll go through the archives and pick and see, oh, I haven't taken a look at this or I haven't really had time to edit this and I'll find things that I hadn't seen before going through my photos. So I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah. What does your processing look like? Uh, obviously not after the, the, the secret source, but looking at something in, in Lightroom and then shifting into Photoshop or are you just doing very light edits or does it just depend on the image? I think it, it pretty much depends on the image, but I would say I'm about 80% Lightroom, 10% Photoshop and 10% uh, Luminar. I use Luminar to finalize my edits a little bit. Um, There's definitely a little bit more of a push that you can do color-wise in Luminar. So that's why I like to put the last final touches in Luminar. Um, And Photoshop, I really just use it for touch-ups and things like that. Nothing major. So I'm pretty much just all Lightroom. I think my main thing that I've been loving lately is just selective color. I think yeah. is, is something that I love to use a lot because there's a lot of times where there's only certain colors that I want to look a certain way. So I think that's part of my secret sauce. Yeah, yeah. I found a, a very good tutorial on using a selective color, but also HSL and a couple of other tools for black and white processing. And the control oh, wow. you get over the, the tonal range is just incredible just using so you can define exactly how much cyan is in your yellows or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, it really does a, a fantastic job of doing things to the, the black and white image. Mm, um, that's awesome. Are you spending hours on a shot, minutes, days, weeks, or do you edit and stop and come back to it later? It all depends. A lot of times, A lot of times it could be hours and a lot of times I'll have to come back to it. But most of the time, I try to perfect it that day, then and there. So I would say hours. Okay. What about when you're out in the field? Are you spending a lot of time on your compositions, setting up and getting the right angles and and working around a, uh, a particular area? Or are you more spontaneous and just going, okay, that's the shot. We'll set up here and off we go. I think I... I definitely started off being very spontaneous. Uh, I've always been something, someone that wants to get all the aspects of a scene. And I definitely like to curate a story of what did the flowers look like or what did the clouds look like or what did this rock look like and put them together in a color story that works. I love doing grids and I love telling a story that way. So Uh I think I've always been spontaneous in the moment and I'm ADHD. So I, my, my attention span doesn't, go very long on one thing. So I love running around a scene and capturing a bunch of different things. But recently I've found that I've tried to be, to slow down a little bit. Mm. Let's put the camera on the tripod and slow down a little bit. 
I just did some client work for an Airbnb and I was taking some shots of the Milky Way over the pool. And I stayed out there with my tripod for two or three hours trying to get the shot that I envisioned. And I don't do that enough. And I definitely feel like I need to start doing more of that. And it felt good to just slow down and take the time to actually get the shot that I wanted. Yeah, fantastic. Do you print much of your work? Not enough, that's for sure. I have a couple big prints in the house and a print store doesn't really do too much for me, but I definitely love seeing my work in print. I think Mm. it's really powerful and it means a lot to see it in print. So I need to do more of it for sure. Yeah. What do you do if you hit a creative wall? Do you work through and just push through it or do you set photography aside and go and do something different? I definitely feel like if I'm hitting that creative rut, a lot of times I'll sit and look at my archives and not find anything that I feel like I want to edit or anything that I like. I Mm -hmm. think for me to get out of that, I just have to go and shoot. I have to go out and shoot and maybe going out and taking photos doesn't necessarily fix that in the moment, but it fixes it, I think, in the long run of just finding a new creative spark and something different or being able to learn something different or see something different. And a lot of times if I'm in that block, I'll just walk away from the computer and I'll come back to it or I'll walk away from the scene that I'm shooting and come back to it. What do you say is the biggest challenge facing photographers right now? Gosh, I don't know. I think a lot of it is there's so many different brands and there's so much gear and there's so much evolution in the gear getting better and better. And I think there's so much focus on that, that there's not enough focus on the actual skill and the actual being out in the field doing it. A lot of times people think that, oh, I have to have this camera to be good. And that's not necessarily the thing. Like I started taking photos on my iPhone. So it's not necessarily about the gear that you have. It's It's about the experience and it's about the story that you want to tell and your creative vision. But you you can do that with an iPhone or just with a kit lens. So I I think there's a lot of focus on gear having to have the best of the best. And that's not necessarily what you need to succeed as an artist. What do you say is the future of photography? I, I see a lot coming into terms with AI and a lot of people saying, oh, AI is going to take my job or it's going to replace photography. And I don't think that's a thing at all. I don't think it's ever going to replace photography and being able to be out in the field and capture a scene that's actually happening in front of you. But I definitely think that using it in your workflow and and learning how to use it in a positive way, I think is a great thing. Just using the new AI denoise in Lightroom has been blowing my mind how I can take a photo that I shot at a high ISO and bring it back to life. So I think being able to use it in a positive way for your workflow and making your workflow more efficient, I think is a great thing and not being scared of the future of all the things that are coming into play. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. What about social media? Uh, how do you see that playing out? The the way that social media started with photography, the rise of Instagram and so forth. Now there's Vero, there's Threads, there's Blue Sky, there's multiple places and even even Twitter became very popular with, with photographers there for a while. Do you see that landscape consolidating back into one or two or do you see the the variation as as a good thing? I would hope that it would consolidate because it's definitely hard to keep up with so many different platforms and having to be present as an artist to sell your work on every single platform is a lot of work. Um, 
but yeah, definitely. If there was just one platform for photography, one platform for video, I think uh, that would make things a lot more simple. But I feel like personally, instead of having to feel like you have to be present everywhere, you have to continue to produce and produce just to make the algorithm like you. I think just being genuine to yourself and seeing social media as it's your visual resume of what you're showing the world and what you can do for, say, a client. I think that's the best way to look at it and not let it become overwhelming. You know, I've had a lot of friends that get discouraged when they're not getting the engagement that they used to or a photo's not doing too well. And I think that it's hard not to pay attention to that, but I definitely feel like that's something that you shouldn't pay attention to and you should really focus more on yourself and your creative vision and your career versus what an algorithm thinks of your work. Definitely, definitely. What about collaboration and community building? Has that been a big thing for you? I know that you've been quite active, particularly in Twitter, in the NFT space and a few other places. Is is that something that's been important to you in your work? It has been here and there. Like I said, I've definitely have never sold my work to and made that much uh, money off of selling prints. So it's definitely selling a digital asset was a different way for me to make an income and actually be able to balance the client work and not have to do as much client work and have a little bit more time for my personal projects and my own creativity, which is great. It's definitely something that I've done a little bit less of because I've jumped back into client work a lot and I've been really full force in building my career that way. But I definitely think supplementary, it's a good thing to have. And I've met a lot of people like versus Facebook or Instagram or any of the other apps on Twitter that I had no idea existed. And I think it helped me dive into art in general a little bit more like I went to NFT NYC and I went to Art Basel in Miami and just going and socializing around a bunch of other different artists that share the same passions and share the same things artistically, I think was really cool. And it was cool to see. And just going to art galleries in Miami and seeing photography printed very big was inspiring to me as well. Nice. What's your uh, favorite thing about being a photographer? My favorite thing about being a photographer, I think... Two different things, being able to capture moments in my own life and look back on them, whether it's where I traveled to or a moment that happened where the lighting was perfect or it was a beautiful storm or where the landscape looked just so unique that I was a place that I would never be able to visit again or something like that. So being able to capture those moments and have them in an archive and then being able to make a career out of it, I'm definitely thankful to do something That's a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication, but it definitely feels good to not be in a place where I'm depressed and don't feel like I fit in. Photography has helped me feel like this is my purpose in life. Fantastic. What's the least favorite thing about photography? Mm, I would definitely say all the admin work (laughs) and the behind the scenes. It's, It's definitely a lot of work pitching to clients and making sure that everything's organized in a timely manner and things like that is, is a lot. Yeah. The ultimate goal would just to be go out and create and not have to worry about all that, but absolutely. Maybe one day. Yeah. Everyone's, I guess, picture of being a, a, a landscape photographer where you just go out, you take photos, you come home and 
that's it. Nothing else. Nothing else needs to happen. You know? <laughs> and you sell lots of them, and you make loads of money. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't we all? laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> what do you like to do when you're not out shooting? Um, gosh, I just I love being out in nature. I love hiking, snowboarding, being out in the lake, paddleboarding, and spending as much time with my dogs as I can just outdoors. Nice, nice. And definitely a little bit of fashion too. I'm not really in the fashion industry anymore, but just paying attention to trends and using my creativity and that side of the world here and there, I think is something that I love to do still. Cool. Are there any photographers that you think I should be talking to on the podcast? I would say Zach Henderson is an amazing photographer. He does, he's got some really unique color. His landscapes are amazing, very otherworldly. Melissa Finley as well. She does, she's a great storyteller. I love her color grading. She's a fantastic human as well. And I would say one of my good friends in Iceland, Kevin Pages. Okay. His his Iceland work is absolutely incredible. And he definitely has a very moody, dark style, but he does it really well. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. I've got one more question for you before we wrap up. And for most of my listeners, it's the most important question that I can ask. Do you like pineapple on pizza? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Can be a very divisive issue in the photography community. I know that. That's hilarious. Yes, I've always loved pineapple on pizza. (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been great getting to know you a little bit more. Where can people find your work? I have, I believe it's biosite.mishuno, or you can find me at mishuno on Instagram, mishuno on Twitter. And my website is theremoteunknown.com. Fantastic. Thanks very much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne and hope to see you out shooting soon.